This is a Brain Bites episode. Each week, we share two things we learned the past week and how you can implement them in your life. So, let's get into it. Welcome to Brain Bites episode 14, where Sam and I deconstruct and demystify something about the brain that we've learnt for the week. So, Sam, in this week's edition, what did you learn? So this week I was uh, following along one of my favorite scientists in the world, Dr. Andrew Huberman. Shout out. Love you. Love you, Hubs. You're a good man. Such a crush. Um, such a man crush. Such a man crush. <laughs> such a science crush. But he put out this tweet, right? And the premise of the whole tweet is when you wake up, you have 90 minutes to grow. Mm. That is the, your best period to grow because we have this immensely valuable brain state in the first 90 minutes post-waking according to this tweet, where you're actually at your best in terms of plasticity and ability to change. Wow, that's that's like the ultimate mic drop trait tweet, which is just like, hey, just hey team, letting you know first yep. 90 minutes, pretty crucial. <laughs> do, 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 do the yep. right things. Do do the right things, right? Um so yeah reading part of the tweet, he said, regardless of alertness, we are primed at that time for downloading learning and insights. Unless we fire hose gulp sensory information via our phone. Wow. Yeah, that's that's that that is again. Okay, he's just like no second mic drop. Stop it with your mic drops, Hubs. He's hot. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's out there like rabbit, like Eminem in eight mile, just dropping bars. He's going for it. And that's the thing that Hubs he's got like, ciphers. He's literally putting my head. It's like imagine again, I don't know what the data would say, but with the percentage of people that actually touch their phone within ten minutes, I'd love to know. I'm sure it's really oh, high. That's <laughs> probably probably disturbing. I would love to know. <laughs> it's a really good point but i really like this idea that he touched on and the way it works where when you wake up your neuroplasticity your brain's ability to change and adapt is almost at its peak because it's its most rested your energy source your, your glycogen in between the cells is optimal uh, all the stored energy from your meal the night before um there is one exception if you are one of those type of people, like my partner, and your circadian rhythm means you're biased towards the evening, you're naturally an evening chronotype, an hour, then you might not be optimal in the morning. But for most of us, I would say when you wake up, your brain is fresh, so to speak. And when it's fresh, it's ready to make these neuroplastic change changes, which means it's ready to learn and adapt. I think that's really important because you can actually apply that. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, like there's an opportunity that's potentially being missed by so many people um, right. to to maximize. Because we always talk about, you know, when are you most effective, like zone of effectiveness. But how many of us, in my, myself, yourself included, how much, how many of us do us like actually do something about it in that period? And like, I mean, myself, I don't really do that. Um, no, right. If We're at all, about how many people get up and their morning routine is no slight on them. Their morning routine is they get up, they look at their phone, they laze around for 30 minutes. For another 40 minutes, they have a shower, brush their teeth, maybe they go for a walk. They're missing this 90-minute window where their brain is ready to change, to yeah. adapt. Adapt. Got to love it. Well, how, adapt, how, adapt. I'm intrigued now, Max. I'm, I'm thinking about using this one because I think it's a good mm. How do you think you're going to go about using it? Slash, What does the <laughs> hub say? So rather than what the hub says, he kind of just gave a general principle. The way I have adopted it and restarted to use it is my first 90 minutes when I wake up now is dedicated grow time. That sounds super, super lame. But basically, I spend that 90 minutes doing things that force my brain to change and adapt. So I learn, I practice, and I exercise. What that looks like in practice is when I first get up, I walk, I run, as we talked about on 
other podcasts, go listen to those episodes. Uh, and as I'm running, I'll often listen to a podcast or learn something new and then take notes at the end. Then when I get home, sometimes I meditate, but then now I'll spend some time practicing and working on my craft. So I'll do some writing, uh, I'll do some speaking and practicing working on that. And what I found is not only does that prime my brain for the rest of the day, but I'm learning so much faster because I'm putting it in this window of time where my brain is primed for change. I basically cram my learning, my skill acquisition into that first 90 minutes of the day where my brain is at its peak plasticity and changeability. Yeah. I think the thing that about this that, you know, for people that are thinking, oh, this has been around for a while, like, you know, 5am club, blah, 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 blah. Right. I think the thing about this though, and this is the missing piece always for me is like, there hasn't necessarily been like a, a more scientific reason to do it other than, you know, the classic survivorship bias of, oh, all these successful people wake up early and do this stuff, so you should do it. It's very much like a monkey see, monkey do. But what this is now, like, getting to the point of, like, why would you? Like, what are the things that you could do in this period and what is the science that surrounds it? And I think that demystifies it a fair bit where I'm now leaning and being like, okay, this makes heaps of sense. I want to do it. Agreed. I mean, there's always that, uh, the old adage, the axiom, you know, sharpen the axe in the morning work on your skills. And people have heard it a million times, but if you're like me, I've heard it and not applied it because I thought, same as you did, what's the logic behind it? But then when you know that your brain is primed to change at that time, it makes it so much easier to say, okay, well, now I'm actually going to dedicate that time because that's when I should be trying to work on myself and trying to grow myself. Absolutely. And I think to take your point, if you are, depending on your chronotype, not feeling that the morning is for you as to what your partner does, still just finding that 60 to 90 minute window when you are absolutely primed for it and making that, Mm. dedicating that time to, as you said, learning, growth, whatever it might be, I think is still important because that will compound massively. Like if you do that every single day, five days a week, not even the weekend for an entire year to, to quote James Clear, you know, small things done consistently lead to large changes, it'll absolutely do that and be quite synergistic in its nature. Absolutely. Compound effect. Einstein said it was the eighth wonder of the world and he was not wrong. Einstein, well, yeah, he's just not wrong. Just just listen to him. <laughs> Doesn't mean wrong yet so far, so far as we know. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I learned this weekend that I'm now applying. I'm doing this every morning now. I'm, I'm really loving it. I'm actually feeling like I'm, I'm growing and learning a lot faster than I was when I was trying to cram that learning and knowledge acquisition skill acquisition into different parts of my day but throwing it over to you kids what have you discovered this week um so something <laughs> you gotta laugh at me please don't judge me because like, laugh I, at you. I, like, well, like I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna verbalize this and i know mm. in doing it i might get a look from you and i just hope that it doesn't get too intense but to win okay okay so sam this week i for the first time oh, in probably God. about five years i read my daily horoscope Um, and look, I'm not going to lie. I read it. I read it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I found myself nodding and I agreed. I was like, oh my word, you've literally, you've got it. And then I think you'll be proud of me here. Within a couple of minutes, I stopped myself and I told myself, Kieran, just remember that this is generic and vague and that it probably applies to a large group of people. And when I really dived into it, I was like, okay, there's one or two sentences that are relevant to my personal circumstance right now. But then there was a feeling that everything of it was irrelevant to me. It was like these one or two sentences. And it made me reflect and be like, okay, there's got to be another thing to this. And it was the Barnum effect or also known as the four effect when Hmm. basically that when we sort of believe that generic information, which could apply to anyone, applies to me or yourself. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to reveal that on the the potty. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Thank you you for that admission. 
of of what I'm going to classify as guilt, and I have oh. definitely changed the way I see. It. It's, Again, it's so no hard judgment, not to, no judgment. Though, but it's so hard not to because if they put in just enough general generalities where your mind is able to fill those gaps in and therefore apply it to your unique situation, suddenly it seems as if it's a prescriptive readout of your future. Absolutely. And the thing that about this, and this is why it's named after P.T. Barnum, who was a famous 19th century showman, and he's got a famous Ooh, saying, which is, Great movie. yeah, correct, a sucker is born every minute. And again, I'm not lambasting people who do believe in the horoscopes. If you do, absolutely own, own to you. But I think the thing about this is, as you said, we'll, we'll read into it what we want to read. And yeah. uh, that becomes both a problem but also can sometimes be good if it leverages it for the better, but generally bad. Generally. <laughs> generally means you're able to be taken advantage of <laughs> because of some kind of gullibility. But it's so interesting that it was APT Barnum and that it's a well-established, um, uh, well-established effect in research. Is there any papers that back it up or any examples in particular? 100%. So the study was actually done by Bertram R. Fora, which is why it's sort of known as the Fora effect as well. But um, he tested in 1948, so a long, long time ago, but it has been replicated. And it is on mm. this cognitive effect. And basically, I found this really interesting because, again, it put into question what happens at schools and what uh, I potentially got on my uh, report cards. But his experiment basically tested his students by first providing him, providing them with a class individual sort of personality surveys and also generalized feedback. And so each personality survey would be first analyzed and then given back with personal feedback on each student's results. But that feedback was instead generic and unspecific regardless of their personality test results. So the personality test was to show, hey, this is valid. And so the Mm. feedback included like some really general phrases like you have a great need for people to like and admire you or you have a tendency to be critical of yourself. And when they asked the students for you know, how useful was this feedback? The average student rating was 4.26 out of five. So that most students actually found it quite useful. And that was the study that pulled my hand. I was like, oh my word, that's probably happened to me so many times. 100%. <laughs> like, like so many times. 100%. And I'd be like, oh, this is 100% legit. This is me. They get me. <laughs> they get me. And there's, there's some really clear reasons for this, mate, which is yeah. I think, you know, it results largely from our natural tendency to attach personal meaning to generic statements. And, you know, information we sort of view as correct if it has some personal significance. I I can connect it to some experience or memory or moment that I had. And I think it's no surprise to realize that it probably works better when it comes to positive statements. You know, we like to be complimented. We like to think that these are positive heuristics about ourselves um, mm. and people are more skeptical of the negative. But I found that that experiment, one, funny, but two, dawning being like, Oh, Lord, there's been Scary. a lot of generic, yeah. uh, you know, machine learning vibes here. <laughs> How many questionnaires have I taken <laughs> where I feel like they just understood me? Oh, mate, really never BuzzFeed quizzes for the win. <laughs> oh, God. They love to tie into the identity. But it really makes a lot of sense cognitively because of our brain's natural tendency to be this context, self-context application machine. We're always trying to apply what we see in the world around us and put ourselves and situate ourself and our, our sense of identity and psychological body into that as a way to understand our role in a you know, survival mechanism. So interesting they had a, a research paper done on it to highlight it. Knowing this, what are you going to change? What are you going to do? 100%. So I think that the main thing that I've been pretty keen to change is how I go about receiving feedback. And so I think mm. it's very easy when you receive feedback to either A, completely reject it or B, 
apply it straight away, assuming it's truth and gospel, straight away as a first order thing. But you want to probably take it more of a second and third order thing, which is when you receive feedback, as opposed to simply accepting it. Again, being mindful of coming across defensive to the person that's giving it, because the moment you say you are wrong is the moment that you probably closed yourself to an opportunity. But I think there's Mm -hmm. three questions you can ask yourself when you get feedback like this, which is, hey, what are some situations where this actually might be true? And under what circumstances? The other one is like, you know, what are situations where this might not be true? And under what circumstances is this an advantage or disadvantage? Because feedback is incredibly valuable given it is a form of reflection and it's a form of reflection given from a different vantage point. As we spoke about on, um, you know, previous episodes, we talk about egocentric bias. You want to be mindful of that. So I think it's those three main questions that can basically allow you to then say, hey, let me view this feedback for what it is, not as I wish or want it to be. And you're then able to apply it within situations and context, which means it has way more meaning, way more practicality, mm. and is going to have a much better impact on your life. Yeah, actually personalizing into your situation. So looking at the uh, the horoscope heuristic, so to speak, mm-hmm. is our natural tendency to take general generalities and in information and try to apply it to ourselves and therefore find relevance in doing so, um, of which there's actually cognitive effect studies on it, which I had never heard of before, but uh, Bertram R. Fora, you go, my friend. Um, and then looking at this when it comes to things like feedback in particular and understanding how we have this tendency to apply these generalities to ourselves from a specific lens, but having more of a, a perspective where you take a step back and understand where it could be true, where it could not be true, and rather than applying it from a general lens, but kind of picking out the the kernels of truth within it and the circumstances before blindly accepting it. Nailed it. Active listening for the win, Samuel Holston. You Chris Voss. Shout out. (laughs) Shout out, my friend. Chris Voss. Well, those were the two things that we learned this week. And as always, if you have a nugget, a brain nugget, that you want to share with Sam or myself. We're very hungry. And you can send it to us. Emails, Kieran at at, um, braintools.com.au and Sam at braintools.com.au. Or if you prefer socials, we're on the Tiki Talks. We're on the Instagrams. We're on the Twits. Go for it. Send us a DM and let us know. And we'll see you next week.